I've probably said this before, told these two items of information before, but I didn't wear them out. And they both fit with how it starts. Tonight, we're in, uh, we're going to begin in Second Chronicles 19. With a needless and damaging alliance. I learned early in my life about alliances. When I was six years old, we lived on one corner, corner of Randall and 11th Streets in Gadsden. It's a house my daddy built. And on the other end, at Randall and 10th, there was a boy that I didn't know. He was taller than me, he was skinny. His name, his, his name, I knew his name. His name was Cheryl. That was his name. S-H-E-R-I-L-L. That was his first name, Cheryl. And that kind of messed with my mind anyway. A boy named Cheryl. Since then, I've learned there have been other men whose names were Cheryl. So, But at that time, I had my brothers, Paul, 12 years older than me, Bobby, 10 years older than me. And whenever the two of them were sitting together and I was there with them and there was no other, there was no parent around, I, I came to realize some years later it was just always trouble for me. It just always got me in trouble. So I had a, a rocket car. Those things are worth a lot now. I wish I still had it. Looked like a rocket, had pedals down in there, and you'd, it was a three wheeler, and you'd pump those pedals, and that thing would go like a rocket. I was in our, we had a nice concrete driveway, and I was up and around that driveway, and then my mother wouldn't let me, she never let me get out of the yard, just stay in the yard. Paul, Paul and Bobby were sitting on the front steps of the little landing of a porch that we had. Cheryl was already riding a bicycle. That, 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 that made him in some ways my superior because I wasn't riding a bicycle yet. And he'd have a big old laugh on his face and he would come up and he would swirl up into our driveway and then he'd go back down and go down the sidewalk to his house. And this would take him about three minutes to go down there and then come back. He just kept doing this. Now, my brother, my oldest brother, Paul, really was my hero. He was my idol. He took me to the movies on Saturdays to watch Tarzan. And that was a great thing. Get me a drink. Well, so he's sitting there with Bobby. And they both started chiding me, saying, I wouldn't let that boy come up in my yard like that. And I stopped my rocket car and I thought about that for a minute. I said, he's making fun of you. Look at there. He's laughing at you coming up. And the kid was just happy, I guess. I don't know. Might have been out of his mind. I don't know him. But he did that three or four times. I'm telling you, I wouldn't let him do that. 
So I told him to quit doing it, but he came and did it again. So I jumped out of my rocket car and ran and knocked him off of his bicycle. Jumped on him and started hitting him. He squealed like a girl. Mama come out. Oh, and Paul and Bobby denied anything. Well, I don't know why he did it. He, he just, just got mad at that kid for laughing at him. We didn't know. We were just sitting there. Well, that was a damaging alliance right there. But now fast forward to when I'm in the fourth grade. There was a guy who had failed a grade, which meant that he was a year stronger and bigger and meaner. His name was Carl. And Carl had a little troop of boys that ran around with him. They worshipped him, you know. They were his little gang, about three of them. And in the, in the boys' room... Not the main one, the, the main one down on the basement floor in the boys' room was like a 30-foot-long sink. You know what I'm saying? And it just had water running all the time. But this other one had crockeries, they had little places, individual places where you go to the bathroom. So we had a break, and I went, and I was in the one on the end. Carl came in. Owens, that's my, well, it was urinal, but he didn't say urinal. He said something else. What's a fellow to do? You know, you're in the middle of business and it's kind of difficult. And he began to cuss at me and tell me everything he was going to do to me if I didn't get out of his spot. So I finally got out of there and escaped any damage. But there was another boy, you've heard the story so many times. There was another boy named Billy. Billy had failed two grades. But Billy was, he was from the, in those days, I think it's okay to say this. In those, it's not okay to say this. Where he came from, it's not okay. How about, I'll, he came from public housing. Can I say that? No. Well, okay. Um, <clears throat> he didn't. <laughs> He didn't live in the same neighborhood I lived in, and he never did his homework, and he was always getting bad grades, thus he's in the fourth grade. But Billy, Billy was, he was just developed. He had kind of muscles, and he had armpit hair. We could worship him because of that. I mean, this guy, Billy, he was really something. He was strong, but because of where he lived, he was mean. Man, he could fight. Nobody messed with Billy. I started helping Billy with his work. I even did his homework for him. Don't tell anybody that. And I did everything that I could to get in good graces with Billy. And the time came now when Billy 
would accompany me, this kind of sounds bad, to the boys' room. <laughs> Didn't sound so bad back then, I don't know. But he would stand at the door so I could leisurely complete my work. And he'd just stand there. And Carl might come in. He came in once. Oh, Billy didn't ask questions. I'd already explained to Billy what a time I'd been having with Carl. And he in the bathroom just beat the mess out of Carl. Oh. And that was it. Carl never gave me another problem. Now that was a good alliance. You have alliances that strengthen you, but then there are those that damage you. Cheryl, he cried like a girl, and my brothers denied putting me up to it. Even my hero, my oldest brother, we don't know what got into him. We don't know why he ran after that boy and did that. Knocked him off of his bicycle and jumped on him. Well, here we start off with Jehoshaphat making a needless and damaging alliance. Jehoshaphat was in a much stronger position than Ahab was, the northern kingdom king. Jehoshaphat being the southern kingdom king. We've already studied how Yahweh has blessed Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat honored Yahweh. He, 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 he did all this stuff to, to, to strengthen the worship life of his nation. And he honored Yahweh in great ways. And thus Jehoshaphat grew in wealth and his kingdom grew in wealth and prosperity And for some reason, even though he was in the stronger position and Yahweh gave him everything he needed, for some reason he felt like he had to be buddies with Ahab and had to impress him for some reason. Now remember Ahab, the Bible says there wasn't a king more wicked than him. He was the worst of the bunch. Ahab led the people of the northern kingdom of Israel, along with Jezebel, his queen, into gross idolatry and Baal worship. It's terrible. And so the whole nation was suffering in its sin. You remember Elijah, the prophet, called forth the drought. Until finally he stood himself on Carmel and defeated the prophets of Baal. Well, now Ahab is in need of some help because he's, he's facing enemies and an alliance of enemies that he can't handle. And why Jehoshaphat felt beholden, it's hard to say. But first of all, let's look at a needless and damaging alliance. Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, returned home in peace to Jerusalem. 
Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, came out before him and said to the king. Now, this is after he buddied up to Ahab and all that stuff that we've already studied. And uh, the prophet came out. Did you go to the aid of the wicked? And do you love those who hate Yahweh? Now, because of this, there is wrath upon you from before Yahweh. Nevertheless, there are good things found in you, for you have abolished the Asherah from the land, the, the idolatry with the, the fertile fertility cults and all that. And you set your heart to seek Elohim. But we go back up to what he just said. Why did you go to, you didn't have to do this. Why did you go to help the wicked? Why do you go and take the resources that Yahweh has given you as king of Judah and more or less lay a large portion of those resources at the feet of Ab? Why? Why do you love those who hate Yahweh? Well, that's a lesson in life. That's a lesson for leadership. To love those who hate Yahweh. But it was acknowledged that he had done some good and that he had set his heart to seek Elohim. So the, re the recount is given of the social reform that Yahweh sent to the people. Jehoshaphat dwelt in Jerusalem. He returned and went forth among the people from Beersheba to Mount Ephraim. And he brought them back to Yahweh, the God of their fathers. He appointed judges in the land. And this is very interesting, very important. He appointed judges in the land in all the fortified cities of Judah for every city. And he said to the judges, see what you are doing. For you do not judge for man, but for Yahweh. And he is with you in the matter of the judgment. And now may the fear of Yahweh be upon you. Observe and do. For with Yahweh our God there is neither injustice, favoritism, nor bribe taking. You know a judge is a powerful man. He can take your freedom away. Just by saying you're in contempt. And there's no limit to how, he, how long he can keep you. A judge is supposed to apply the law. He's not supposed to make up the law. Or he's just to apply the law that already exists. And he's supposed to do it in, a, in an equal fashion. Equitable for all. The law equitable for everyone who stands before the law. Before Jehoshaphat, judges in the land had become evil. And this is how people in power maintained power over the other people. Threaten them with the law. The term today is weaponize the law. Make up something. 
create a problem, do whatever, do whatever the judge wanted to do because the judge was the man who applied the law. Jehoshaphat is going to reform that under the direction of Yahweh Elohim. So he says, here's what you do. You judge not for the man, but you judge for Yahweh. He's watching you. He's observing you. Let him be with you. There shall be neither injustice, favoritism, nor bribe taking. Implying that those three things had been prevalent previously. But Jehoshaphat was bringing a reform under the unction guidance of Yahweh. This, this will bring great relief to the land. And the people, the people will have a, a sense of, of, of freedom if they can live where there is actual justice and where among judges there is no favoritism and there is no bribe taking. I know that you're thankful like I am that today in our land there, among judges there is no injustice. There is no favoritism and there is no bribe taking. Tongue in cheek said facetiously. It's a terrible thing when that exists and the people suffer because of it. So here, here's the social reform that is brought by his love for Yahweh. And also in Jerusalem, Jehoshaphat set up judges of the Levites and the priests and the chiefs of the fathers' houses of Israel for the judgment of Yahweh and for quarrels. And they returned to Jerusalem. Now there are some matters that would be brought before Levites. Other matters would be brought before magistrates, civil magistrates. He commanded them saying, so shall you do in fear of Yahweh, in faith and with a perfect heart. You be fair and right and with absolute justice with no favoritism apply the law equitably with a perfect heart and whenever in any quarrel comes to you from your brethren who dwell in their cities between bloodshed and bloodshed between instruction of the commandments the statutes the ordinances you shall admonish them so that they should not be guilty before Yahweh and there be wrath upon you and upon your brethren and so shall you do and you will not be guilty. Behold, Amaria, the head priest, is over you in every matter of Yahweh and Zebadiah, the son of Ishmael, is the leader of the house of Judah for every matter of the king and the Levite law enforcers are before you. Be strong and do and may Yahweh be with the good. If you go back, the, the spirit of what's said in verse 10 is this to the Levites. You already had an obligation to teach the people the law and to teach the people what is right in matters of religion and worship. This was already your obligation. And if they don't know these things, the guilt can fall upon you as well as upon them. So the admonishment also comes upon the Levites and the burden to make sure 
that they are careful to do all that they can do to teach the people what the law says and the responsibility that the people have before Yahweh regarding the law. And may Yahweh be with the good. Not only was there social reform, but there was also deliverance from God. And it came to pass afterwards that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them some of the Ammonites came to Jehoshaphat to wage war. And they came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude has come upon you from across the sea, from Aram. And behold, they are in Hazazan Tamar, the same as in Gedi. Jehoshaphat was frightened and set his face to seek Yahweh. And he proclaimed a fast over all of Judah. And all the Judeans gathered to seek help of Yahweh. Also from all the cities of Judah they came to seek Yahweh. And now this is the prayer that the king Jehoshaphat prayed. Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of Yahweh before the new court. And he said, Yahweh, God of our fathers, is it not so that you are Elohim in heaven? And that you rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. And in your hand is strength and might. And no one can stand with you. Have you, our God, not driven out the inhabitants of this land from before your people Israel? And given it to the seed of Abraham who loved you forever? And they dwelt therein, and therein they built you a sanctuary for your name, saying, Should evil come upon us, whether sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we shall stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and we shall cry out to you from our distress, and you will hear and save. And now, behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, against whom you did not permit Israel to come, when they came out of the land of Egypt, for they turned away from them and did not destroy them. Behold, they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of your inheritance, which you caused us to inherit. Our God, my God, will you not execute judgment upon them? For we have no strength before this great multitude that is coming upon us, and we know not what to do. But our eyes are upon you. And all the Judeans stood before Yahweh, also their infants, their wives, and their children. Now the fact that they all came together humbly in prayer before Yahweh gives us an idea of how far-reaching and effective um, the, ref the reforms of Jehoshaphat has been throughout all of the land. Uh, they're, they're not thinking about anything other than the power of their God, Yahweh, the power of God Almighty, and that He is the God of everything, and that their only, their only solace, their their only fortress, their only retreat is to Yahweh. And so this is on the hearts of all the people. Now look at it, including their children. So these people had been well led. In learning about, remember he has admonished the Levites, be sure and teach the people uh, the meaning of, of the law, the Torah. Uh, and obviously that's been done. And so the people are strengthened in their knowledge 
of Yahweh and in the knowledge of the covenant that Yahweh has with his people. So now, regarding this prayer, Jehaziel comes and prophesies. Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, Mataniah, the Levite of the sons of Asaph, the spirit of Yahweh was upon him in the midst of the assembly. And he said, hearken all Judeans, inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. So said Yahweh to you, you shall not fear, neither shall you be dismayed because of this great multitude. For the war is not yours, but it is Elohim's war. It is of Elohim or Elohim's war. Tomorrow, descend upon them. Behold, they are ascending now on the ascent to Haziz. And you will find them at the end of the valley before the desert of Jeruel. Is it not for you to fight in this war? It is not, I'm sorry, it is not for you to fight in this war. Set yourselves, stand and see the salvation of Yahweh with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, be not dismayed. Tomorrow go forth before them, Yahweh will be with you. This isn't your fight. Yahweh has taken up the fight. So all you have to do is show up. Everything's going to be all right. Jehoshaphat bowed upon his face to the ground and all the Judeans and inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before Yahweh to prostrate themselves to Yahweh. And the Levites of the sons of the Kahathites and of the sons of the Korahites arose to praise Yahweh the God of Israel with an exceedingly loud voice. And so here they come and they destroy themselves. And they arose early in the morning and went forth to the desert of Tekoa. And when they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judeans and inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in Yahweh our God and you will be believed. Believe in his prophets and you will prosper. And he took counsel with the people and he set up singers to Yahweh that they should praise the beauty of holiness. When they went out before the advance guard and said, Give thanks to Yahweh for his kindness is eternal. His his kindness, that's that word, his, his covenant love is eternal, everlasting. So he gets a bunch of singers, okay, and they're mentioned up there, the Korahites and all those. He sets them out ahead of everybody else and they just start singing. They just start singing praises to Yahweh. And so with this wonderful singing they lead the advance guard. So the singers are going first. And at the time they commenced with song and praise, Yahweh placed, I get maybe a better way to, to translate ambushers, I guess, people who were lying in wait to ambush against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who were coming to Judah and they were struck down. So there was this Surprise attack, but it creates confusion. And the children of Ammon and Moab rose up against the children of Mount Seir, one of their allies, who had came to fight the fight with them, to destroy and annihilate. And when they finished with the inhabitants of Seir, 
each one helped his friend to destroy the other. Or they just kept fighting so they fought each other. They demolished, annihilated the army from Seir. And now the Ammonites and the Moabites turn on each other. And they start slaughtering each other. And, and what's happening with Judah? Well, they're just sitting up there on the hill singing and watching. That's a pretty good way to fight a fight, in my opinion. And the Judeans came upon the place overlooking the desert, and they turned to the multitude. And behold, the corpses were falling to the ground with no survivors. They're killing each other. And Jehoshaphat and his people came to plunder the spoils. And they found among them plenty belongings and corpses and precious vessels, which they emptied out for themselves to the extent that they could not carry them away. And for three days they were plundering the spoil because it was so much. Yahweh fought the battle. He caused them to turn on each other. These were like mad dogs. I have two big dogs in the backyard. And a third dog that might come up to the fence stirs them up. They get all hackled up and they're wanting out of there and they want to, hold, they want to get a hold of that dog. And that dog is just kind of looking there. And the first time that those two dogs bump up against each other, they turn on each other. And it is a fight to behold. <laughs> they roll around and carry on and turn on each other. Well, that dog outside the fence, that's Israel. And here's Moab and Ammon just tearing each other up. Because they're so crazed with a desire to kill somebody, they'll kill anybody. Whoever the next guy is, this was the spirit of Yahweh. A spirit of confusion that fell upon them and caused them to destroy one another. And they left all of this plunder. Took them three days. Had to go home, come back, go home, come back. So the people returned from the battle, so-called, in triumph. On the fourth day, they congregated to the valley of Baraka. For they blessed Yahweh. Therefore, they named the place the valley of Baraka to this day. And all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned to Joshua at their head to return to Jerusalem with joy because Yahweh had given them joy by saving them from their enemies. They came to Jerusalem with psalteries, with harps, with trumpets to the house of Yahweh, musical instruments. And fright of Elohim was upon all the kingdoms of the lands when they heard that Yahweh had fought with Israel's enemies. And Jehoshaphat's kingdom was tranquil and Elohim granted him peace from round about. Jehoshaphat, son of David, carried the promise of the Christ. Judah, the royal tribe, appointed by Yahweh, way back in Genesis 49, where Yahweh declared 
that the, the ruler's staff and the giver of the law would never depart from Judah. And Shiloh, Shiloh would come forth from Judah. Peace. And then later on, it transfers into the house of David within, within Judah. And so Yahweh does whatever he wants to, to secure the promise that Christ will come and ultimately die on the cross for his own, be raised from the dead, ascend into heaven and come again someday. That's what this whole, these two chapters mean to you and me. Yahweh was taking care of me on that battlefield. Well, we'll stop there and we'll have our uh, deacon prayer time.